0: Friend, welcome to Move the Needle Podcast. I'm Jason Zook, my buddy Greg Hartles here, and we're going to talk about marketing today.
1: Let's dive in. I'm excited about this one since uh, I know you know a lot about this topic.
0: Do I? We're gonna find out. <laughs> <laughs> we might uncover the hidden truth to Jason Zook and his lack of actual marketing. No, I, I do. I think this is interesting because so many different levels and so many directions we could go, but you and I are from very different backgrounds and have probably thought about marketing in very different ways for the businesses that we've run and been a part of. Sure. But I think one of the things that we really want to talk about is like, how the hell do you market a podcast? (laughs) You know, like we have this show, we're excited about this show. I think we're bringing some valuable conversation and thoughtful content around running businesses to people who might be interested. Um, obviously, we've gotten some good feedback from our own small audiences that we brought to this, which is something that I think we can definitely talk about with this stuff. But I don't know, maybe maybe we start with uh, what the heck are we going to do to market this podcast and then go from there? Or do you want to go a different yeah. direction?
1: No, I, I, I like the idea of us talking about the state of marketing. Um, in context of the things we're working on, right. Or that we have in the past, um, as well. Um, and why not start with the podcast in particular, because this is my first podcast. This isn't your first podcast. Uh, however, I'm the one kind of controlling, the what the production of it, or I don't know yep. what you would call yep. it,
0: but yeah, that's what I'd call it. Uh,
1: so, you know, learning the ropes on just, you know, how do you get a podcast out there from a logistical standpoint. But what's funny is, you know, when we launched our first couple of episodes, uh I I, you know, put them on simple cast. And then I was done, (laughs) you know, like I was like, okay, what, what does one do from here? I don't know. And I don't know where to go. Like, do I write it on a sign and go stand outside (laughs) on the street corner as the cars drive by? You know, what, what do I do? So, uh, it was striking to me in that, you know, most things that I work on, as we've discussed, I have some familiarity with. I, I have other strategies I've tried. This is actually um, an approach where we just did this, you know, mostly because we enjoy it. So we're not trying to market it to make a ton of money or it's it's not our livelihood. However, we both want it to do well and we want it to get into as many hands as, as possible that, that fit the description of the type of person that um, would be attracted to this, et cetera. And I was kind of at a loss. I, you know, I was like, (laughs) what do I do? So, how have you marketed podcasts in the past? And what did you learn from it?
0: Yes. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording, which was, And this is what I think a lot of people do these days is a podcast is not normally the first place where you start with something. So you already have an audience or a following or some type of group of people who pay attention to you in some capacity somewhere else that then you bring to a podcast. So there's no secret here that... Probably 90% of the people who are listening to these episodes, hello, people, uh, you're coming from probably my email list or from my social media because you're not on social that much. I mean, I Twitter is the only thing you're still on. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have an email list that you send regular content to. And I know that you added a link to it to your your website. But really this audience, the marketing has just come from me emailing our list about it, posting it on Twitter and Instagram a couple of times and mentioning it, you know, in our other show that I have with my wife. Um, and, and so that's basically it. And truthfully for, I think I've done almost 10 podcasts now, separate podcasts. All of them have been marketed that way. So I have an existing audience, an email list, mostly, um, some other place, and I bring people to that from an existing audience. So that's really all it is, is just moving attention from one place to another. Mm-hmm. It has never been, Oh, I want to grow this. How can I do that? Um, that, that has happened the most naturally for me in podcasting with the podcast I used to run with uh, Paul Jarvis called Invisible Office Hours. And what happened was, We just recorded episodes and posted them and we both had enough of an audience that somehow it would get to like someone at fast company and they would write like a roundup of like new business podcasts and we would be included. Gotcha. And so we didn't have to do anything for that to happen. That just people already followed us and, but that was, it was far and few between. I mean, I think we probably had maybe 10 sites over the course of four years Mm. that shared our podcast. So it's not really that much and you see like a little blip, but most of our listenership and most of our audience has always been audiences that we had that we just moved over to podcasting.
1: Yeah, so with that being the case, w- two two questions. Obviously there's different intents behind a podcast, right? Um let's talk about it from the intent from what I've observed online, from the intent of um Small business practitioners, consultants, uh in particular, authors, um, you know, somebody offering some sort of small business service. What I find is that group has the intent of doing a podcast as another marketing outlet. But what I don't know is what does it do for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so from your perspective, from more of a, I'm trying to generate business. Let's say it's the Wandering Aimfully podcast, where that is, I assume your intent there, and correct me if I'm wrong, is to attract individuals that would be interested in subscribing to the Wandering Aimfully membership. So, why do you use podcast as an outlet for that? Or how do you believe it's useful?
0: Yeah, so I've always looked at marketing in a couple of different ways. So I look at long-term things that I can do, I look at short-term things that I can do, and I look at ephemeral things that I can do. Mm -hmm. And so for me, podcasting and social media really tend to live in the ephemeral, a little bit of short-term as well, where someone is listening to a podcast in a very passive way. And I just learned this over the years. It's really, really difficult to get anybody to do anything from a podcast episode to an online action. Mm -hmm. And I've just seen it because I tested a ton with my Jason does stuff podcast where I would use very specific URLs, very specific like text message things. I tried a ton of stuff and it was always so small. And, and for that show, I mean, the numbers were not amazing, but I think I averaged about a thousand to 1500 downloads per episode. Okay. And I would get maybe four people to do take an action. And, and I could talk about it three times within a show and it was very related to the content. It's just such a passive thing. Like it really is. So mm-hmm. I, I look at podcasting as, as that way. So to answer your question specifically for Wandering Aimfully and really for any project that I've done, I view podcasting much like I view social media, which is deepening the connection to people. So I'm just trying to build trust. I'm just trying to have people feel like there's a connection to us and it's their conduit into our lives because we like doing that. You know, I'm not the type of person who wants to own a passive business that is run by an employee and I never see emails or anything. It just has no appeal to me. Like I just, that's not why I get into business. I get into business for the people connection and for actually seeing the work that I do solve problems for people. Um, so, so that's, that's the long winded answer for, for yeah. podcasting. Um, so, and I, I was going to say one more thing is yep, I, I, I don't even know. You, you asked the question of like, Why do some people like small business owners run a podcast? I don't know that a lot of people actually know why they are running a podcast other than they think this is something I need to do. Like this is a marketing checkbox that I need to do. And they don't actually ever define that.
1: Yeah, I think that happens a lot, which I want to get into outside of podcasting when we talk about the state of marketing in general. Um, A couple of other questions about podcasting. So it sounds to me the way you use a podcast is very similar to what I see comedians using a podcast for. Essentially, I can do a little more long form and develop a little bit better of a relationship with my audience. And then, of course, I can make the ask that they come out to my show, which is where I make money. And that's what I see the majority of comedians doing now that's uh, from a practical perspective. I obviously there's a creative outlet there that they're using this medium to tell jokes and have fun and, you know, all that. But from a business perspective, what I see most good comedians doing is saying, well, here's a, here's an outlet that people, um, you know, drive to work, uh, go on road trips, exercise, work out, They can listen to me talk and they can develop a better relationship with me and go, wow, you know, that guy's really funny or that woman's really funny. I'd like to see them live, you know, and and go to their show. So we, we see that. I think then there's also, uh, you know, the podcasts that are more about entertaining an audience in and of itself, right? So the heavily produced podcasts. Um, where the podcast is the content. They're not trying to drive you somewhere else. The the podcast is the final place, right? And they just want to create something that uh, you'll enjoy, appreciate. And of course, then advertising becomes the mechanism with which they're able to fuel that. Have you ever... And then the third thing is, and the, the third option here is, you know, in the past, I've been a silent partner in an online media company. So it's not like I don't know anything about how this stuff works. Um, with a podcast that would regularly get, uh, you know, 50,000 downloads an episode. Um, and the model there was to interview people, um, who of course have their own audiences. So, mm-hmm. so the way that that podcast grew, was if every week you have a different guest, and that guest has their own audiences, own audience, and is willing to share it with that audience, then you're able to grow your message through them. So, um, a couple of questions there. So, it sounds like you've chosen the first option, which is we're staying, we're building a deeper connection with our audience that will hopefully lead to other things later. Uh, versus, I'm going to interview a bunch of people. And tap into their audiences or versus I'm going to, you know, do this creative endeavor. Have you considered a creative endeavor for your businesses? Like, in other words, a a, a podcast, because it seems like something you would do where it's like you put out, you know, a 10 episode podcast that really isn't uh, about business decisions related to wandering aimfully or, or about, you know, how to create things that wandering aimfully does, but almost like we're going to do this fun, creative podcast on cars or something on Tesla's. And as a result, they discover wandering aimfully. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about, I I may be totally out of left field here, but have you
0: thought about something like that? Or would you consider that? Or is that just not interesting? No, it, I definitely have. I mean, it's it's kind of funny you mentioned that. I was talking with Caroline, my wife, um, for those of you who don't know who she is, a couple weeks ago, I think, where I I don't know, I've just really enjoyed some of these super specific podcasts on like Game of Thrones or on um, you know, whatever it is. That's like the fandom podcast. Yeah. And and I, I think it's really interesting because you that's kind of what social media was a couple of years ago where we all kind of gathered around similar topics and things and i think because it's become so everyone just wants to share their opinion now constantly like we've lost some of those groups and that's actually why i think like reddit has resurged as like one of the top sites or the top site on the internet because now people have like left social media to go back to these smaller groups where mm-hmm. you have discussions about specific things so to answer your question yeah i i had thought about it and I think the the topic has just not come up yet where it seemed exciting enough or interesting enough to do that. But I do think that th- there is absolutely a limitation to how many people listen to how many small business podcasts and yeah. what will actually happen, as opposed to knowing, hey, like the reason we do the Wandering Aimfully podcast is not because I ever think it's going to rank in iTunes in the top 2,000 podcasts. It's because for our audience that we have, I just want them to feel a deeper connection to us. Now, one interesting thing that I've been thinking about recently, I don't know, I've been listening, especially because a couple weeks ago, you mentioned a ton of podcasts for me to listen to. And I actually went down. I think I listened to every single one now. Um, some of the ones that I love the most are obviously the ones that are the most produced like Broken Record with Malcolm Gladwell, mm-hmm. like Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell. Um even like I found this one, I think it's called Copper and Heat and it's about a female chef who goes like talks about like her experience and it's so well produced and it's it's kind of the first time where I've sat down and thought about I actually, I don't think I have any idea how I would put this together. Like when I see a YouTube video that's really well produced, I'm like, oh, I get it. Like I I totally understand like the timeline of a video, how to add clips, like how all that works. But when I think about like the production of an audio show only, it kind of baffles me. Like I scratch my head a little bit on it and thinking about how do you structure this and how does it look? Because I've only ever done it this way. I've only ever been on interviews, you know, been on other people's podcasts. I've only had my own podcast where there's another guest or I've been the only person standing behind a microphone yelling into it and I didn't do any production. You know, I put like a song on the front and the back. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's definitely to answer your question specifically. It's definitely something that I have thought about using it as let's talk about a bigger thing and then try and funnel people down into the thing that we're selling. Um, but I also feel like it's a big uphill battle for me. Like uh, it would be a lot more work to figure that out than it would be to spend that time doing something else that I could do a little bit more naturally or easily.
1: Yeah, you'd have to learn a set of skills that perhaps you don't have right now or at least don't have at the level that you think you would need. Totally. To turn it into what you want to turn it into, which is what I find most interesting about stuff like podcasts and, and the fact that we don't have gatekeepers anymore. I, I do think there's too many people just flipping on the switch And they don't really either have the breadth of knowledge necessary or they don't have the skill necessary. Right. So there's tons of, say, for instance, business podcasts that are the interviewing style. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from my personal experience, almost every single one is
0: terrible. Well, I can give you my personal experience, which is being the interviewee for. Yeah. I mean, over 100 podcasts at this point easily. Maybe five have been enjoyable. I would believe that. Yeah. And it's because the people that have done it don't
1: have the skill of how to interview people properly. Totally. And don't, and don't have the breadth of understanding to know what questions to ask this particular person. Right. And, and that kind of goes back to a bigger picture, which I want to bring it up to is what do you do when you aren't Skilled at these marketing outlets because I'm finding that a lot of people are putting on the hat, very similar to our conversation about project management, right? We're we're small business owners, Mm -hmm. we don't have a ton of extra cash, we didn't raise a bunch of capital for our businesses, we're trying to get things going. So we, or you know, maybe us and one other person in our company are basically wearing all the hats. So What do you, what is your, what is your approach to saying, here's a marketing channel or a marketing outlet that I see other people utilizing. I want to test that or use that, but I don't personally have the skill in that area. Where where do you go from there?
0: Yeah. Well, and I do want to come back to how are we going to market the show? Cause I, I would actually be really curious just to know, like if we go down that road a little further, what. What it makes you think and what it makes me think, because I think that would just be interesting to do that. So I want to come back to that. But yeah, this is a really interesting one for me because I would say probably 50 50 if I was to give a percentage. 50% of the time, I want to, I like being first on things. So like I was super early on Twitter, uh, super early on. Facebook super early on YouTube. Like i not trying to toot my own horn, but like I was doing daily vlogging before it was a thing. I was making money on YouTube before. I mean, really like I justine was the only other person that you could name who's been around that long that has like consistently done it. And that's good and bad. You know, when you're first to market even in just like in business, not even in marketing stuff, there's a lot of uphill battle to climb. Like a lot of people just don't even know why you're doing what you're doing or even what to make of it. So I think, that part of it being being first on these platforms, it does give you some edge, but it also can be misleading at times where you can feel like I'm spending a lot of time on this, but people aren't getting it yet. So I'm almost too early. Like I need to wait for other people to have like gotten here and figured this out. And that, which leads me to my second thing, which is in some respects, I like to wait long enough where I see enough people are using something and then decide if I want to use it. So my example for this is Snapchat, like far and beyond anything else. So Snapchat... I saw it when it first came out, I signed up, I looked at it, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, it's, you know, kind of like Instagram, but like more moment of like what you're doing. Like it's like real time updates. Like I just wasn't interested in doing that and then watched it get bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally got to a point where I'm seeing like all these small businesses on it. All these people are on it. Like the Gary V's of the world are like, you got to get on Snapchat, you got to get on it. I'm like, okay, like I, I watched this thing go and I went back to it. And then I just go, nope, not for me. Like I don't want to be here. I don't like the type of work that has to be done here. And it kind of goes back to the, the point that I just made a minute ago, which is if I have to invest all this time, but not really feel like I can see the return, but I know I can invest that same amount of time to something else where I'm almost guaranteed at least some semblance of a return, I'll go to the thing that has more of a guaranteed return. Because it just makes more sense to me to do that than it does to you know, put, put a bunch of chips into a a pile of like, I don't know if this is going to work out, but I'll cross my fingers and hope.
1: Yeah. So let's go back to the podcast then and go down the rabbit hole of how you think we should be marketing this podcast.
0: <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, well, here's, here's an interesting question, which it, it may end the podcast in this episode. What is, <laughs> what is the, what is the point of this podcast for us? That's a great question. Um, I
1: think I'll answer it, obviously, from my perspective. I think there's some intrinsic value here that is not quantifiable uh, that I get out of bouncing ideas, especially kind of smaller things, right? Like, hey, I was thinking about doing this or I'm going to try this. I love doing that with you. And we've done that now for, you know, a handful of years Kind of about anything in life, but in particular business uh, is kind of where it all comes back to for us, where I like the idea of saying, hey, I contacted this company, uh, made this proposal, going to do this potential consulting thing with them. And then you always have something to say, right? Like you have something to say, I might not have thought about, uh, didn't consider, didn't consider in that way. Uh, even something that in the moment kind of is a throwaway that you'll say, but then I'll go back and go, Oh, Oh, you know what? You know, and like two weeks later and, and just kind of recall what you said. So there's this intrinsic aspect just for me selfishly where we were doing this before we hit record that, that I'm getting out of it. The, the thing about recording it though has, has, um, forced some level of accountability and focus to it that I don't think we had before. Which is really helping me refine my ideas, focus on the things I'm really finding more important than others and holding myself accountable to them to follow through. So for, for personal reasons, that's one reason I do this podcast. The second reason for me is I do, I don't have any relationship, frankly, with an audience at this point. And so this is kind of, uh, you know, taking my first steps toward establishing some sort of audience, which frankly comes off of your audience. Right. So I don't, Mm -hmm. I mean, we joked about that when we first were considering this and starting this where it's like, well, I might bring two people to the table, (laughs) you know, to listen to this because I just don't have an audience anywhere. Um, so, so part of it is, is just kind of getting my feet wet with, how do you work with an audience and how do you start building a relationship with an audience and how do you lead them to other things that you're interested in, et cetera. So that's the, those are two va- uh, value propositions for me. And then the third I would say is I do feel that there's a lot of value that small business owners can get out of the conversations we're having that I'm not sure exist or don't exist in very many places for small business owners to go. I think that books are too nebulous and, uh, don't really get to the heart of the matter. I think that over time, you know, so anything that you're going to listen to or, or watch or read most of the time doesn't carry you over time. So the ability for us to talk over several weeks, uh, allows people to understand context better within their own business and how decisions are made and, and how the outcomes are achieved. So I think, and then also, um, we have a breadth of, you know, literally probably 40 years worth of experience here that we're bringing to the table that I don't, I, I rarely get or see, um, in most business education context. So to me, it's about elevating the quality of information being shared with the small business owner that I always cringe at that, you know, it's, it's a big part of my life's work to give small business owners what they really need and not all this surface level BS that isn't really helping them make real progress. So my hope is, is that without sounding (laughs) conceded, I guess, that, that somehow this 20 years of my understanding, knowledge, experience can be coalesced into an hour conversation every week that people are actually moving their own needle, you know, that, that it's not just, Mm -hmm. um, business candy, but in fact, legitimately is helping them achieve goals. So that's what it is for me.
0: I immediately, okay. First of all, I agree with all three of those points and it's pretty much the exact same reason why I wanted to do this podcast. I'll say that the majority of it for me is the first part, which is just like you and me having these conversations I've thoroughly enjoyed for years. Hmm. And I think that there is a lot of value that is in them and putting like sharing that is really, you know, interesting to me and fun. But you just said something that I think could be the marketing thing for this show business candy
1: yeah i was gonna say it's not business candy
0: no like i want to make business candy like actual candy that you can buy <laughs> i like where you're going go ahead like this so th- okay so this to me when you when we started talking about this idea of like how could we market this podcast my answer to that is we have to do something that is not being done mm-hmm. so you you like you can't pay sign spinners to promote move the needle podcast. There's not enough people to spin enough signs to get people who are driving to notice and remember. Um, we, we can't crew and create a whole bunch of other content for this show. Like we don't even have a website for this show. (laughs) And that's mostly because I have too much work on my plate. Mm -hmm. You have too much work on your plate. We don't need a full time other content machine Mm -hmm. to deal with. Mm -hmm. So what you need is you need something that is flashy enough. And, And let's be honest, marketing boils down to a couple different things. It goes back to what I said. It's like you have the short term, you have the long term, you have the ephemeral. And maybe there's a fourth category of that, which is the like flashy, which is the exciting, the interesting. And it's not going to be something that lasts forever, but it's something that it makes people turn their head. It makes people go, wait, what? Wait, what is this? Like, what are they doing? And and it's it's that that gets people to tell their friends about it because mm-hmm. here's the thing we're not in 2008 of podcasting where it's us Adam Carolla and like no one else doing it <laughs> where someone goes hey have you listened to like the one of three podcasts that exists like but then people weren't even talking about it right because it just there wasn't enough saturation mm-hmm. we're at the point now where you have to do something and this is this is great to me this is a great way to think about any. Avenue or any different part of business or any different part of uh, content or anything at all, which is it has to be something noteworthy enough or stand out worthy enough, which is not a term, but I just said it anyway. That gets someone to go, hey, uh, I know you probably listen to like Tim Ferriss and other things, but there's these two guys that talk about their business stuff, and actually the conversation's good, but they also, for some reason, sell business candy. <laughs> And I know that sounds bizarre, but like, go check it out. Like, no, they legitimately sell business candy. And <laughs> that becomes the reason why people then find the show. And to me, like, if you're going to ask me, like, I have to pick a way that we market the show. That's the way that's the only way I think we could market the show that would actually work. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's to to me, all the other stuff that we could do. There's too much noise. Yep. There's too many other people doing it. We are not going to compete with Malcolm Gladwell's production quality. We're not going to compete with Tim Ferriss's network and who he has contacts of and his mm-hmm. notoriety. We're not going to compete with all of the the like the major networks like I'm talking about like NBC, CBS, like all these people who have all the manpower and woman power mm-hmm. to create amazing content. We have to do what we can do which is Be creative, be interesting, you know, do something unique. So I don't know if the actual answer is business candy, although that does really intrigue me because I haven't really ever thought or seen anybody do that. But I do think that it has to be something flashy or interesting that stands out.
1: Yeah. So I would like if we're going to do business candy, I'm going for like wrapped, single wrapped caramels.
0: Totally, totally with you. I immediately thought single wrapped uh, product of some sort. yeah. And then I, and then I think what we do is each
1: wrapping is like its own version of business. So I want to see the wrapping that's the bow tie, uh, and pinstripe suit. (laughs) I like it. I want to see, you see where I'm going? You know, I, I want to see the different business, uh, professional, uh, wrapping, you know, like the, like the YouTuber that's really fun and out there color scheme. Um, you know, and then we, and then we kind of come up with nicknames for each candy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with this. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of candy personally, but well, when it's good, it's good. So, you know, yeah. if we can do something close, I I know we're not going to create the Reese's peanut butter cup, right? but, uh, I'm, I'm all in on us creating some candy.
0: I think it's a really, uh, it's an interesting idea for a lot of reasons for me. And I I think that, like I said, the more out there you are with it, the, the better chance you have of people talking about it. Right. And, I almost feel like part of this too is it's not just the fact that it's candy. It's not just the fact that like the individual packages are branded in a weird way. Um, You know, and, and I I also don't eat much sugar or candy either. So I think we would have to figure out like, okay, what is like, what do we actually want to do here? Right. But I think part of this that could be interesting too could be like, we only have a limited quantity of all of the business candy that we could potentially offer and and sell. And so it's like, you have to get it while you can get it and like create some kind type of compelling urgency of, you know, there's only going to be, you know, 500 pieces of this, this type of candy sold or whatever. Yeah. Um, and just kind of playing into like the things that you have to do to get a business out there and to get people to notice it. I I don't know. It could be fun to play around with a little bit of that stuff as well. Yeah.
1: And I also like the idea of somehow, um, I don't know the words for it, but along the lines of, um, I mean if you're going to consume business candy it might as well be actual candy. Right. Instead of all that other garbage. You know. So uh so yeah, I um I want to table that specific uh idea, <clears throat> you know, we don't need to go too far down the rabbit hole there, but I I like where you're going in terms of in today's world what makes today Easy and difficult is you have so many outlets available to you and a lot of them are inexpensive. The downside is, is so does everyone else. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, and if you don't bring some significant level of creativity to it or innovation to it, uh, you're likely to be drowned out. Yep. And what I see more than anything else is just that I see, yep. I see, you know, small business owners swimming upstream. And they just can never get there because they're just being drowned out. And it's mostly because their stuff isn't that great. You know, their their marketing stuff isn't that great. They're just copying or mimicking what everyone else is doing. I'm not the person to necessarily give people advice on what they should be doing differently um, in that arena. I know what can be done. I know how to measure it. I know how to get it done. Uh, I'm not necessarily that person that's going to come up with, you know, business candy. Um, but you just did, I know. And then know (laughs) how to brand it and et cetera. But, um, so, so where else, you know, outside of that, would you, what else would you do? And what is the value of doing what would be now considered probably more traditional things like having a website that's promoting your, podcast as an example or having a social media account that's promoting your podcast do you think that's
0: is there value there yeah so um I want to table business candy uh, also because now I'm thinking business chocolate because I do like chocolate you mentioned the Reese's thing and I'm also thinking like what if we put like silly little business tropes on on the chocolate <laughs> um and so you could like eat them and and like get rid of them, yeah. you know? So it's like even like bad business advice on the chocolate. Yeah. Again, this is, you said like, I don't come up with these ideas. You just came up with this. And I'm just, all I'm doing is just playing off of it because that's what I do really well. Anyway. Yeah, so, but it's the playing off of the, the real money. That's the moneymaker. So let's come back to business chocolate because maybe it's going to be business chocolate. Um, okay, so to answer your question, I, I think about this a couple different ways. As I mentioned the, the different things that I think about when it comes to marketing a business and and getting yourself out there. I firmly believe in 2019, you need to have at least a good to mediocre website that is very easy to navigate on all devices. So it is not in 2019 okay to have a website that was built 10 years ago that is not mobile responsive Mm -hmm. because everybody's website now at least 50% of your traffic, unless you're some just really random phenomena, is coming from mobile. It's just the state of where we are. So you have to have that experience. So that to me is something like where Squarespace is such a perfect thing for small business owners. Is like, just go make a Squarespace site. Stop trying to find a good WordPress theme. Stop trying to get on all these other platforms Go to Squarespace, use a template. They invest millions of dollars in creating these things that are just flexible and easy to use, and it takes the guesswork out of it. So that's the first thing. And and you do need to have some type of compelling story that you're telling on your website to at least get someone to stay on it for more than 10 seconds, right? Like if you just have your logo and whatever Especially if you do something online, like if your business is digitally product-based, you have to be able to captivate someone's attention. Now, I know like for you guys with Youngblood Coffee, you do have just a very simple one-page website that doesn't do anything because you don't need that, right? Like that's not the point of the business. So having the website with all of the bells and whistles doesn't matter. That doesn't necessarily help you sell wholesale coffee more or get more people in the door. Could it? Could it? I don't know. We had that conversation a couple episodes ago, and we could probably go further into that on another episode. We could also try it and see, which would be interesting. But getting back to to the way I think about this, so a good website and an email list, and that is where I think people need to invest a lot of time. And in building an email list where you capture someone's attention and you have the ability to reach out and there's no algorithm, there's no... Page ranking. There's no anything else that dictates how your content shows up for someone. If someone opts into your email list, you're going to have the best form of communication with that person that you can have across really any medium, uh, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or Twitter or any of these other outlets. It's just to me, even in 2019, 20 years after email was created, it's still the best. And it will, for me, continue to be the best until all these social media channels figure out a way that you own the connection, which will probably never happen to the person who subscribes to you or follows you or whatever. So I think those are the two most important things, because no matter what you do, having direct contact and access to your subscribers or your customers or whatever, that is bar none the the, the thing you have to do to start. And then from there, it's about deciding how much time do you have to invest into creating content and being on any of these other platforms and deciding which one makes the most sense for you. You know, so again, like let me just go down this this path for Youngblood for a second. You know, for Youngblood, coffee shops do s- just so well on Instagram. Like I know I follow like five or six coffee shops, and it's because I love coffee. I love coffee gadgets. I love coffee shop aesthetics. I love the vibe of them. It makes me feel good when I see the photos and the things. So like that's a natural thing for me where I feel like you can create a presence. You can actually get some organic reach just by using some of the hashtags that people follow for coffee related things. And you can build up an audience that way and you can market your products that way. Now creating a YouTube channel for Youngblood I don't know. You're probably not going to be able to compete with Stumptown and all these other places that have already kind of dominated that that content market. And yeah, you could say the same thing about Instagram, but I think the hyper localness of Instagram that can exist actually would help you. Like the Midwest would rally around Youngblood on Instagram and you could develop like a really good niche following there. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the way that I think about these things. And I also think that a lot of marketing stuff needs to not just be set it and forget it. It needs to be, let me reevaluate how this is doing. Last episode, we talked about key performance indicators, KPIs, as it's talked about. And if you're not looking at how those things are moving the needle for your business and you just keep doing them as a kind of rote thing that you do, that's that to me is not the reason why marketing should exist. It should exist as an experiment, as something you look at, you continually check in on and you evaluate, should you keep doing that or should you move forward? So that's my extremely long answer for you.
1: Yeah, but I I think the detail there is really important. And the context obviously matters, right? It's not a blanket. Oh, you got to be on Instagram. Oh, you got to be doing this. You got to be doing that, which is I think what a lot of people do when they're first starting out is they just think they need to be everywhere.
0: I actually think people shouldn't be on social media at all in the beginning. Interesting. Why is that? Because I think it takes too much time. So it's a double-edged sword. It's probably the fastest way to get in contact with your potential customers, but it's also the fastest way to spend a lot of time to not get in contact with your actual customers, if that makes sense. Whereas if you are... Building a great website, building an email list, and you're really trying to find where your customers hang out specifically, then you have a better chance, I think, of figuring out how to attract them through some type of interesting marketing idea or flashy marketing idea that speaks directly to them and that actually grabs their attention, as opposed to all of the noise of social media that's incredibly hard to break through.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I'm jumping around here a little bit, but. I, I, Jump. I think this is, uh, a sticking point for a lot of people. So, um, with Youngblood, the, the advantage we have, of course, is we can talk to customers every single day physically, right? They're buying a physical thing. Uh, they're buying a thing that they would likely buy often, if not every day. And we're engaging with them, um, on that, uh, in that physical plane. So the internet, it doesn't have to be a focus of ours. Yep. Right. Where what really needs to be a focus is anyone within a certain radius that can get to this location on a consistent basis, right? That that's our focus. And the internet can help us do that, of course, but isn't necessary for us to establish uh, a customer base. Whereas an internet based business doesn't have that or do they do you see opportunities for internet based businesses to do things in the physical world
0: yeah I mean again I think I think like the young young blood example there's so much value in speaking to your customers every day and I think that's a little bit lost in the online business world it's why I like emails so much because I ask for replies in our emails when I want to have replies. I, I spend so much time in my email inbox because I'm doing exactly that. Like that is my quote unquote storefront. And it's where I talk to my clients and customers. And it's where I, in potential, most of them are just potential clients and customers. And I find where the gaps are in them connecting with, I have a pain point. You have a product that solves that pain point. Let me pay you money in exchange for that. Like that's business, right? But A lot of times that gap is not easily filled because I'm making assumptions about what I think that person needs. I'm positioning it in a way that I think that they want to read it, but those may be completely incorrect. And if I don't ever talk to people, I'm just going to sit and go, oh, well, no one wants this product. And maybe a lot of people wanted it, but it's because I didn't actually talk to anybody to find out how they are looking for it. And and so to answer your question, I do think that a lot of business owners would get a lot of value from trying to take their online business offline a little bit. It's It's why we tell people who want to make online courses, if you have not had a client-based business and you just want to jump into courses, it's probably going to be an uphill battle for you. Because you don't have unique processes that you know worked one-on-one with people that you just kept repeating over and over again. That's what an online course does for you. Mm-hmm. It takes that repeatable process and scales it, but if you only you only learn that by doing it firsthand and with other people. So yeah, I think there's a lot of value. Now, here's the problem though. Getting online and starting an online business takes no time at all. I mean, we could have a website up for Business Candy in 2 hours. And have a storefront with Shopify and have some product photos that we get, you know, made up or mocked up or whatever, like that could all be done in a couple hours. But that doesn't mean that we actually have a business. It just means that we have this idea that looks like it exists and is out there. And I think that's where people get really stuck is because it's so fast to spin up, but they don't ever talk to anybody. They don't ever even engage with customers or clients. They never have any success with it. So
1: had it? So, so take that concept though. So take take your, your a freelancer, you're doing consulting, whatever, you're having offline conversations with your customers regularly. And then you say to yourself, you know, I want to scale this by creating a course or writing a book or whatever it is. But, but the scaling, the scaling in that case is in the deliver, the delivery of the product, not necessarily in the number of people who are aware of it. Right. So, so your first step of scaling is saying, I have this idea in my head or I have this process in my head that I repeatedly explain to X customer, X type of customer in person. Right. And I'm saying to myself, well, I want to stop explaining this repeatedly to one customer at a time. So I'm going to scale this by creating a product. That multiple customers at a time can essentially hear me talk uh, or watch me speak um, instead of one person. However, the way I got the clients was one- on one, right? so so how do you translate that? How do you scale the marketing side of that? Do you just win Google? Is that your number one step? is to say, now I have a product that scales. How am I going to get multiple people to look at it at the same time? Is Google your first
0: step? Yeah. So this, this is a great um, lead into my short term and long term marketing ideas. So long term for me is Google because it just takes longer for Google to index things. And and so what we're specifically talking about is writing helpful articles or posts or whatever you want to call them that can rank in Google for specific keywords. So for example, we have an article on our site that's titled Start a Business with No Money and No Ideas. And it, I think now, is actually on the first page of Google. But I wrote that article five years ago. So that's a long time for that article to sit. And I've updated it over time and I've changed it. And I actually want to update it again but that's a long-term strategy that is now finally starting to pay off and drive traffic. No one has five years to wait, right? Like, it's just that's not a strategy. You can't go, you know what, I'm going to start a business, and in five years, I'm just going to wait and see how right. it goes. It's not going to work. So you have to have some short-term things. And so what I would tell um, Sally, the designer who has worked with all of her one-on-one design clients, is if she is thinking about creating a, a course specifically, and that's just kind of the idea of this, and I'm, I'm happy to go down the road of another business example if we want, but this is the one I know really well. So she needs to get in front of her ideal audience where they already hang out. And when I say that, I mean a captive place where they already hang out, and then she needs to try and deliver value to that audience to show that she is a person who can help them. So for that type of person, I would say you you have some type of process or you have some type of content that you can create that you can pitch to different websites that are already accepting other people's content that you can get in front of an audience that wants this type of content. For Sally, that would be like 99u.com or it would be any of the big design blogs that are out there getting on designer news, constantly sharing helpful things so that people see you who are already there interested in this stuff and now go, oh, Sally has a really interesting perspective on this. Or Sally helped me solve this problem through this article that she wrote and shared on this site. Or Sally did an interview on this podcast of this person who talks about designers and I now feel like I trust her. I want to go look at what she does. And that's the short-term marketing because that's showing up where people already exist that are captive. And it's just, it's it's a little bit different than showing up, let's say, on YouTube where people are already captive because you have to break through a lot of noise. Now, if you're on like a YouTube interview show of someone who has a design thing, like that's different, like that could possibly work for you. But if you're just trying to create designer-focused content on YouTube, it's Yes, there are people that are there, but it's like the Instagram thing. Like it's going to be hard to kind of crack into that quickly. Right. So the short-term thing is finding people who already have the audience that you want to be involved with and you have a product for and delivering value in that audience. And that actually goes back to last episode where you pitched this software company, this medical software company on improving their process. What Sally has to do is she has to present her value and make it a no-brainer for someone to say yes to, she can't just email and go, hey, I want to write a post about how people should use Adobe XD and why it's important. That's not going to get anybody's excited or or their interest. She has to share what that thing is. She has to go a step further than most people will because then it makes the yes much easier for that. And it it takes work, you know? Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The short-term start for Sally is a lot of work. It's a lot of self-promotion. It's a lot of putting yourself out there but that is how it works. Like unless you have an unlimited budget to spend on Facebook ads, which I don't think any of us small business owners do, there's no other way that I've seen that it works in a repeatable fashion.
1: Okay. So let's also talk about then, um, whether or not more traditional modes of marketing are still viable and, and uh, whether or not you've found them useful. And uh, I would say from my perspective, you know, when I think of like service-based businesses such as a physician's office, right, or say say a dentist, you know, a cosmetic dentist, <clears throat> I believe that most cosmetic des- dentists in my research and, and the ones that I've worked with are still following mostly traditional routes. What they're trying – and what their number one thing that they're trying to do is they're trying to get into the home – of a potential customer. So they're spending a considerable portion of their money on something, you know, direct mail marketing um, into some sort of magazine that goes to all the homes or coupon book that goes to all the homes or something to get into the home, the, the, the local newspaper, w- whatever it might be. Um, And I still think there's a lot of value in that. I, I, I still think the brand building that is happening there works. If I, and, and, and I get it at my own house. Like I can, I can name, I can name some service providers that are near me. And the reason I know their names is they've shown up in my mailbox enough times for me to just, you know, bank that information So when it's time for me to consider a dry cleaner or a cosmetic dentist or something of that nature, it's likely that's where I'm going to start. Do you think that's how most people are starting or do you think most people are Googling?
0: That's really funny. Yeah. So as you're saying that, all I can think about is every piece of mail that I get that's not from my mom goes right in the recycle bin. (laughs) <laughs> like I don't yeah, even Yeah, me
1: too, except I get like a a flyer yeah. from like a local yeah. real estate agent or something and I I can recognize the dude. Yeah. I on the flyer and his name because it shows up in my mailbox every goddamn week.
0: I don't think I think I've actually purposely not hired those people because I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't trust them or I feel like they're grasping at straws. Like they're an old business that's dying and they won't let go of direct mail. And that's just like, that's the millennial in me, right? Like I'm on the cusp of being a millennial. So like I do have some of those thoughts and tendencies, Mm -hmm. but for me, this is where Yelp for like traditional businesses, I use Yelp all the time. So, like, we when we moved into our new place, uh, our landscaping situation, and we don't have much of a yard, but it was, like, Jumanji in there. Like, it would, like, I think, you know, the ghost of Robin Williams was in there, like, just living, and there was, like, a lot of things going on. And it was to the point where I looked at it, and I go, I just went, I can't do this myself. Like I will, I'll lose a limb in here. Like it's scary. And, and so I went on Yelp and I looked at landscaping services and I think I call, or I could send a quote, like a question to multiple ones, which is a really nice feature of Yelp. And I didn't pick the person who replied the fastest. I think it was like the second or third person that replied, but they offered to send me a text uh, and say like, Hey, can you send me a photo of it so I can see what it is? So I didn't have to have them come out check it out. Give me a price quote. Like just, I can text you. Like we live in 2019. Like I can send you a text and you can just tell me how much this is going to be. And I did that. And the guy was really friendly through text. I think he even used an emoji, which really resonates with me again as a millennial. And I paid him to do the service and that worked great. And so I've done that for multiple things on Yelp, dry cleaner. Um, I'm trying to think of any of the other ones that I've used recently. Um, there was something else too. I can't remember, but that's how I think about it. So I do think that that's where as a more standard or traditional business owner, maybe it's a mix of both because maybe they still want to reach people like you through direct mail and they've done that forever and they still have like that procedure is all set up. So it's just easy and you just know that's a percentage of spend and you're just going to do that to kind of show up for people. But I do think it's also important to invest in building up your credibility in places where people are going to find your service All the time. So if I was to run a a cosmetic dentist office, I would make sure that getting Yelp reviews was a priority for my business and encouraging people to do it in a very honest way, but just encouraging it to happen so that it wasn't like what you see for a lot of business owners who are on Yelp, where there's like nine reviews, half of them have never been answered, and they're not even necessarily bad. They're just kind of weird, as opposed to the places where I go and I see people who are They have someone from their staff who is answering reviews, especially negative ones, to really go through and say, like, what happened here? How can we fix this? Like, that stuff for me goes a long way. And I think that that is, it's almost marketing in disguise because it doesn't necessarily feel like answering customer service questions publicly is marketing, but it really is. It goes a long way. Well, and
1: that's really where I think the state of marketing actually is. So in my experience with all the businesses that I've been working with, you take the coffee shop, you take the, um, physician surgeons, dentists, lawn care, snow removal, especially service pay- based businesses, of course. Um, it's all in the customer experience. Marketing ends up being all in the customer experience and then making it easy for that person to either talk about your business positively or give you a direct referral. Mm -hmm. And, and that to me seems to be what goes mostly overlooked in marketing. And, and there's no question that the experience an individual is going to have matters most to how we make recommendations how we help each other the the key i think that's changed over you know the last 10 years or so is how well you can get that person to communicate your message for you yep so so if you had a great experience with a dentist it's likely you're going to tell other people in passing right in very passive ways so you know, I might be standing at, you know, a dad might be standing at his son's basketball game talking to people and, you know, uh your buddy, your neighbor that you see all the time is like, oh, I got this toothache I got to get looked at. Oh, you know, I went and see this one dentist, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Right. It's just kind of a passive conversation that happens that's marketing yep. right and and the only way that works is if you delivered a great experience to that customer however the difference now is we have less and less of those types of conversations yep right and instead we have the conversation with our phone and ourselves right so we have the conversation with Google we have the conversation with Yelp we have the con- it's that's it's it's the same conversation Right. You're looking at what people are saying. You're looking at how they're saying it, who, who, how credible they are, et cetera. You're just not doing it kind of in neighborly community scenarios as much anymore. So you got to kind of win that conversation in a more active way by anyone that has a good experience, by delivering a good experience and then anyone who has a good experience, getting them to take action for you that
0: shares it with people they know, I think, and that's hard to do. Yeah. uh, The power of word of mouth marketing will always trump every other form of marketing. I mean, it just, I saw it with my, I wear your shirt business when that business started, like that business was completely built on word of mouth. Like I got a couple little, uh, press things early on. And I think I even told the story of the New York times article and how not big of a deal that was, but the thing that spread, I wear your shirt and that made it the success that it was, and especially in the first year was people talking about it. And, and that, that goes back to like business candy, right? Like this podcast, it may actually, let's just be honest. This podcast, we will not say enough things that are either a shocking or be truly unbelievably helpful and resonant that someone will pause this show and text a friend about it. You know, like that's just not going to happen. However, If someone goes to a website like businesscandy.com or whatever, and they just think that's hilarious and they post about it on social media or they, you know, include it in an email that they send to their audience, like that could not happen with our show in just its regular form. And, And so I think that that is just something that you have to think about if you can, which is how can you create word of mouth marketing? And let's just be honest, Greg, a lot of businesses are too boring to create word-of-mouth marketing for. Like a cosmetic dentist, it's going to be tough. The best word-of-mouth marketing they're going to get is just that going to the dentist doesn't suck. And if they just created a campaign around that, that could be funny and that could be interesting. But for the majority of businesses, it's the word-of-mouth marketing they can create is really great experience, really great service, uh, above and beyond care for the product or for the service that they're offering, And that does matter. It's also difficult. And and I think if if we're zooming the lens out here to talk about how we look at marketing here as we get close to 2020, which is bizarre to think about, is that it's actually a little bit about slowing down. Like, yes, the flash in the pan ideas are great, but it's also about building a foundation of having a great product or service having really good customer service or support having a great website or something that captivates people and that brings them back or you have constant communication with them that you control to me that's that's like you have to do all that stuff before you do anything else
1: yeah and and i want to make that distinction between essentially active word of mouth and passive word of mouth mm-hmm. where where active word of mouth is somebody telling you about something. Passive word of mouth is you looking on Yelp and seeing what someone else said about Mm -hmm. it, right? And what I've found to be interesting is businesses really struggle in getting the passive word of mouth. They they don't know how to, because most of us are not going to go leave a Yelp review, right? Out of every hundred customers you have, Come to your location, a very small fraction of those people will take the time to leave a review. So you have to create ways in which they, they will help you. And it, 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 and it's not just delivering a great experience. It's asking for the review. It's asking in the right way. It's asking at the right time. It's making it easy for them. Um, you know, those types of things as an example with the surgeon, um, that I was most recently working with, you know, one change that I made was at the end of the survey, where we ask them a series at the end of the electronic survey that arrived in their email inbox, where it asks them a series of questions about their experience. It says, would you be willing to leave us a review? If so, here's a link to Yelp, here's a link to Google, here's a link to Facebook. And what you just by having the link there we increased our percentage of people who would leave a review. I don't remember what the percentage was, but it was it was significant enough where it made a huge difference. Yep. Right? So so what's fascinating to me is we live in this world where you have to figure out as the business owner or the marketer of how to do 90% of the work for the person. Mm -hmm. And then they do the last little bit, right. That gets you over the hump for that passive word of mouth. And if you don't do that 90%, it's very hard to get people to take any sort of action like that.
0: Yep. It's funny. So if if I owned a, a cosmetic dentistry business, I would do this just, just for me to give the example, I would, First, I would run the numbers to make sure that it was viable. Let's assume the numbers work out. I would offer a free uh, like cleaning, like teeth cleaning, for anybody who leaves a review on Yelp, good or bad. Because I'm going to assume that if I'm asking for people to actively leave reviews on Yelp, I know they're going to be good because I've made my product good. I've made my customer service good. like I've built the foundation, right? And I would just know that that positive review leads to a percentage of new clients who come in that I track by going, hey, new client, can you please fill out on this form when you're filling out your initial form? How did you hear about us? And if that Yelp box is getting checked a ton, that I know that these investments in free cleaning that I can pretty much write off, yes, those are leading to people getting in the door and and me making money. And so it's not as simple as going, hey, let me just put a Yelp sticker on my window and passively ask for it. It's it's for me to go, let me get creative with this and actually invest in this happening. That's right. And it's it's actually kind of interesting. I mean, I guess this just go back to your point a couple episodes ago where you just said that like a lot of people aren't naturally creative thinkers or they don't think this way. And I do think that's why hiring marketing people can be very valuable because if you don't think that way and getting people to come at your business from an outside perspective and go, hey, you should set up this thing. I mean, if there's a dentist listening to this who takes that idea and runs with it and it works well, I'm so happy for you because I just feel like that's a no-brainer. Like, I don't know why every dentist office in the country doesn't do that. You know, eventually it wouldn't work. But again, that goes back to my point too of like marketing is not set it and forget it forever. Like it's little things that you do for certain amounts of time and it might be a short-term marketing thing you know, or somewhat long term and it works out well. Uh, but I think that's all part of this process too is figuring out, okay, if I'm a business and I'm, I, I know that my limitation is I don't understand marketing. Like I'm just good at cleaning and fixing people's teeth. That's all I do really well. Then I need to pay someone to do this who lives, eats and breathes this thing and can help me do that.
1: Yeah. And so a couple of things there. First of all, let's clean up the Yelp thing because I know there's going to be listeners to this that are going to go. That's against their terms of service.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah.
1: Yelp specifically, you cannot uh, exchange anything for, for a review. A review. Yeah. In fact, even if it's a good review and they believe that person isn't a regular Yelper, but they somehow were convinced to click on a link or something and go there and leave that review. Yeah, they will hide that review. Yeah. So I don't want to get down into the weeds, but there are some technicalities here. But your point Is correct in that you have to get creative, create incentives, do things to motivate people to do. Again, you have to do 90% of the work for them. Exactly. Right. So, so take the, uh, take a dentist that I worked with not that long ago. We did that very thing. So what we did, what we do is every quarter we have a different gift. And, uh, if you leave a review, you get into a drawing to win a certain gift. Right. So if you, if you, um, uh, leave us a review on some site and we took Yelp out of the mix yep. since that was the case, but it, it helped us a ton. Right. Because what, what people love is they, they want to help you. Like if they have a good experience, they want to help you. They're just busy. Yep. Uh, they don't have time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, also the other thing we did is we gave examples of good reviews. Yeah. Right. So we said, you know, sometimes you might get stuck about what to say here's what to consider and here's how others have left us a review that has really been a great review, right? So you help them, you got to get them 90% of the way there and then they um, uh, will do it, right? Uh, what I think is, is so interesting though, is that most people don't get them 90% of the way there. They don't, they don't think creatively. They don't, they don't look at it as an investment into uh, you know, their future, by having the current person help them out, but you you've got to help the current customer get all the way there to the finish line, um, and you, and you can't just leave it up to them to do it. And coming up with you know interesting creative things like that uh, really makes a difference, right? It, it, it reviews or referrals, like make it interesting, uh, make it fun, and make it seem like that when I make a referral or when I leave a review there's something for me to benefit from that um be, because it 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 gets me out of the inertia of not doing it into the step of actually following through
0: yeah it's the social intent part of this that we've learned for online business is definitely an important part for offline business I'll just call it like more standard business but like when someone buys a product if you put a, like a thank you message on a page and you say, hey, share with your friends that you just bought this, that's that 10% that yeah. you just talked about. Like that's making exactly. it easy for them to click that link because so many people are really happy with the things that they buy online or whatever, but they're not going to go and just on their own whim share a bunch of stuff about it unless it's amazing right unless it's something really groundbreaking or, or useful uh and and i think that that those steps of thinking of like okay someone just purchased let me be in their shoes oh i want to tell someone about this but like i don't have time i'm on my phone i, you know, I gotta go pick up my kids or whatever oh i get a one click link to share on twitter sure my 112 followers would appreciate this like boom done that's right you know and that that those little things those thoughtful things I think that stuff all adds up when it comes to the, the bigger picture of marketing. And, and again, getting back to the point of this, this episode and just kind of how we both think about marketing is you can, you can look at any one tactic under a microscope, but not one single tactic is going to be, be the reason why your business succeeds. It is the culmination of all of it and marketing, especially it's the culmination of all of the potential places someone gets to learn about you, experience what you do. Um, And and I do think that that's also why, uh, you know, let's even come back to this podcast and and what we could do to promote it. Like, I think if we wanted this podcast to grow 10X in listenership or 100X in listenership, it's going to take a lot of work for us. Like, there's no easy solution for us to do that. And so the decision really becomes, and this is, I think, for lots of business owners to wrestle with this decision, is am I willing to do X amount of work to get Y amount of results? Mm-hmm. And, and for us, we may look at like the business candy idea or anything else that we might think about for this show specifically, it may not be worth the amount of time for the potential amount of return. And that's okay, too. Like, I think there's something to be said for this enough mindset that I I constantly talk about, which is maybe you just have a small show that brings you a lot of intrinsic value that keeps you motivated. You know, like for us, generally speaking, like that could be enough. But if it's not, then you weigh the options of, okay, what, what are we going to do? How much time are we going to invest? Do we have to invest money? Do we have to get anybody to help us? Like, what does all of that look like? What's the potential return? Let's measure that. And then let's decide... Does this make sense to do that? And I think that's the the cycle that everyone should get in when it comes to marketing ideas for their business, and even simple things like signing up for an Instagram account. Like, just think about it a little bit more than just oh, I'm just going to start casually posting because it's pretty much a waste of your time unless you actually have a plan and you stick to it.
1: Yeah, and I, I do think that um, there's a you know that the other piece that you're getting at there is you do have to have strategy and tactics, right? Where I think we've kind of entered a world now where a lot of people are just using the internet as um, exposure, but there's no strategy or tactic behind it. Totally agree. And they end up just spinning their wheels and wasting a lot of time, right? So there's a million different strategies and tactics, for instance, for each, for each platform, right? For for Instagram, there's several strategies and tactics that one can take. You need to have one, right? And not just casually like, oh, everyone's on Instagram, so I'll post my thing on Instagram type of approach, which never used to really be the case because it never was cost-effective enough or it took too much time. So you couldn't be, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I'll do, I'll, I'll, mail a thing to every single home um, because it you actually had to have a distributor that would put it into the home, you know, and you actually had to have somebody, uh designer design something and you didn't have tools to design it yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's like technology is the, the, the downside of all this technological innovation for the small business owner is it's, it's given us control. But we're either not that great at it. Um, or we just are, are just kind of off the cuff doing it and haven't built any strategy or tactic behind it. So we all have, you know, a, a, an extreme amount of small business owners have very, 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 very average websites and very average social channels and very average, uh, uh, search results for their businesses because it's like technology gave us just enough power to control these things and do them. But we either don't have the skill to do them well and, or we haven't thought them through and, or we haven't added any layer of creativity to it. Yeah, And, and that's what we're seeing. Right. And that goes back to our, it's never been easier to start, never been harder to succeed. You know, there's 28 million small businesses in the United States. 28 million. One for every, what, 10 people, 20 people? Yeah. <laughs> one business for every 20 people that exist. Just know, somewhere in that range. So, so, y- you know, the noise level, and, and now every single one of those has an equal playing field in terms of the tools available and the distribution available. So it's all just a bunch of noise. And it starts with you know what i've learned is it starts with the product it moves to the experience then you get into the marketing and it better be very very good or extremely creative if you want to break through with some sort of signal through that noise
0: yeah i couldn't agree more and i i think that the the entire mindset that you and I both share about marketing that we can both relate on even as I probably seem like the weird marketer of the two of us and maybe you seem like the more um, standard if you will is that we actually think about marketing almost last in this process both of us right so it's exactly what you just said it's product it's experience it's all of that stuff before the flash and the pan and the reason why my projects have tended to be Maybe more—I um, wouldn't say noteworthy, but I would say more easily uh, to talk about or easy to spread—is—is is just because I've thought about that after I've gone through all the other stuff, right? Like I've gone through all the other stuff, and then I've gone, oh well, this isn't actually interesting enough as it sits. It's not going to compete with the twenty-eight million other <laughs> businesses that are out there. Wh- what can I do on top of it? You know, like what really makes it now stand out from everybody else? And on the core of it, like Wandering Aimfully is a perfect example. And we're still trying to figure it out. Like, I think that's the really compelling part of us sharing our Wandering Aimfully journey is that we haven't figured out what that thing is yet. We have a good product. We have a great experience. We have customers. Like, we've done all of those things, but we haven't figured out the marketing to get that machine running and to keep it going consistently. And I think it's because we haven't tried to stand out enough. Like we've just done all the things that other people also do. And sure, maybe our level of quality is higher. Maybe our level of like personal creativity is a little bit higher, but it is not enough. It really isn't. And, and we're okay with that. Like we, we're we only two people, so we can only do so much. Right. But that's also why, like Caroline was running our Wandering Aimfully Instagram account from the beginning and she was investing so much time into it and, and we were okay with it. But what we started to realize was never were we hearing that people were signing up for our membership because of our Instagram account. Mm -hmm. Right. And now if we didn't both have individual Instagram accounts as well, we probably would have kept posting on Wandering Aimfully. But we already have audiences that we've built. Like it didn't make sense to continue to spend so much time and effort there. And and so I think it really, you know, as you've talked about a lot of this this stuff that it's important to look at, I just think that marketing in general is something you have to revisit constantly. And you have to keep coming through this customer journey, um, you know, that gets talked about a lot, which is just how are people entering the different phases of what you're doing and what you're selling? And what are you tweaking? What are you changing? What are you working on to, to kind of make that happen? Um, and, and I think... I don't know. Maybe my last question to you here on all of this is, do, do you want to spend the time and effort that you know that it takes for other types of businesses to do marketing, to market this podcast and to grow it? No,
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) I figured, I figured that was the answer. It's
1: the easy answer. Now I, I might change my mind on that. Um, I feel like at some point, however, I, you know, even <laughs> I love when I look that, at, I love that your answer
0: is no. I love it yeah. so much. <laughs> but even
1: even with a podcast, though, I think of all the podcasts I listen to. Yep. I have not listened to a single podcast because I read a blog post or because I saw an Instagram feed or because... I, I personally haven't. Now, I, I know other people will challenge that because I'm sure they have. But I can tell you, I listen to a lot of podcasts, as you know. Um, yep. And all of them have come... As a result of someone else, Mm-hmm. someone else that knows me that says, hey, I think you would really like X, right? And that's how all the podcasts that I listen to have happened. And, and I just, I think once you know about a podcast, I've seen feeds like on Twitter of a Somebody who does a podcast that I know about that will be – that will say something like, hey, I'm interviewing so-and-so and it will be out in two weeks. I see stuff like that, but I already knew about the podcast by that point, right? Yeah. So I'm not listening – I'm not learning about it new. So for me personally, I would like to create a good enough podcast where people who find this useful will say to their friends and colleagues and associates that say, I know you. I know you're going to like this. You should listen. Um, I'd rather build it that way and, and put the energy into the content itself than in spreading the content, then, then, than systematically trying to spread this content, um, in, in the ways that we know how, um, you know, that may change, but that's where I'm at now.
0: Okay. I have a follow-up. Are you... Do you think the way that we're producing this show right now, which let's just be honest, is no production, <laughs> um, do you think that's enough? Or do you think that if we do want this to grow, we have to up the production of it?
1: I think there's some level of production that we'll have to up to get. We'll we'll, uh, we'll plateau. I do think we'll plateau if yeah. we don't upgrade the production. Um, however, the interesting thing about something like a podcast is, the production is not necessarily as critical as the as the content itself. In this case, in an audio format, it, it appears that it's the, mostly the content itself. However, I do think we will plateau. Yeah, I do think I do think it will seem amateurish at some point for a certain listener yeah. that we're trying to reach. I think, what, and that won't
0: work. One up. thing that could be interesting for us that is not a new it's not a new idea, but I do like it as an idea and I think it's a low-hanging fruit idea for us, which would be to have someone submit like a problem they're having with their business, and that you and I both try and offer up a solution to it as a part of the show or as a part of a separate episode of the show. You know, like maybe we have our weekly these types of recordings and then our updates and our business stuff in, in that same weekly format. But maybe we have a different episode that goes out possibly as well um, that's maybe shorter and it's more of like, okay, this business owner brought up this thing. Mm-hmm. Let's go through how we would solve that problem, put our heads together, share that, and that becomes part of it. I That's not groundbreaking. It's not new. Yeah. But I do think it does up the production of this show and it does add another part of it that becomes like, you know, let's be honest with each other. Not everyone's going to commit to a two hour episode. Like they may only listen to 30 minutes and be like, okay, on to the next podcast or whatever. So if we had a shorter episode element as well, someone could get through that and then be like, oh, you know what? I do have another hour. Like I want to listen to these guys talk about whatever they're up to. That could be an idea for us. Yeah. I've actually thought about that I thought about doing that
1: on my own a few years ago um, because I like the idea of, you know, for me, I like the idea of very real world practical things. Yeah. Right. So I want somebody to say, this is the challenge I'm having. Do you have any thoughts on this? And then I can, you know, share based on my experience. And then I thought about that for us as well. Um, a couple of weeks ago where I was like, you know, it'd be, it'd be really interesting to hear where other people are at with their businesses um, and, and, you know, our two heads together, Mm -hmm. what might get them to move the needle? So I agree. I, I, I like that kind of concept. Um, uh, and I think that could, that could go somewhere, um, in the future.
0: I think if we were to do that one, one easy way that we could do it, this is a little inside baseball here, but, um, what we could do is just record us, record a small pitch for it and put that pitch at the beginning an end of each episode that we've already recorded. Right. So as episodes come out, it's just like, hey, uh, we're going to start a new segment on here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but we need you know you for it. So if you have uh, you know a business problem or something you're going through, we want to talk through it with you, and we're happy to keep you anonymous and your business name anonymous. But we would just need to know like the type of business or what you're doing and submit it here. And then we just need like some place that people can submit that. Yeah. Uh, but that could be a way that we could hopefully people who are listening to this that already have some of those things that they want, like, you know, even if just 10 people did it, I mean, that would be 10 weeks of content that we could try that out and see if that helps. Um, I'm sure we could also get it through, you know, my existing audience as well, but I do think it would be fun to get it from people who actually listen to the show because then if they hear them themselves on the show or us talking about it, like that adds to the, to the value of it. So yeah, something for us to think about. Yeah, no, I think that's
1: a, that's a smart idea. And you know, something that we may um, pursue if we, if we want to up the level of this yeah. going forward. And, uh, you know, I, and I think that th- those things are necessary. I, I do. I, I don't, I know we live in a world where you can just flip on the microphone or flip on the video and you can go. And there is appeal to the non stuffy nature of a highly produced piece of content. However, I don't, if you, if you want to scale enough in most cases, you're going to need to improve your production level. Um, and you got to start where you can start, but you need to consider that over the course of time, I believe.
0: Totally. And I, I think if, and you see that with big
1: time players, by the way, Yeah, you, you know, you, you see them improve their production level.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think we're under any suspicions that what we're doing right now is enough to have us reach, you know, some large milestone. Like when you told me when I asked you what the statistics were for our first couple episodes, like I wasn't surprised. It's pretty much exactly where I thought they would be. You know, I think that's the nature of how much reach I currently have and the attention that people are willing to give. And we just have to really sit and assess just like anybody else. Right. Like this is a project where we have to go. What are we trying to get out of it? is it enough for what it is now? If it's not, then we have to put in work to get that. And then we track that and we see what that's doing and you know, all those different things. So, um, yeah, I think this has been a really interesting, uh, discussion on the state of marketing. I have one personal thing to update you on that is moving the needle in my life, but I'm curious if you have anything that you want to update us on that's moving the needle in your life.
1: I have nothing, uh, in particular new to report on that front.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> uh, I, I brought up, uh, searching for a landscape company. I told you about my Jumanji situation that I had going. Yes. Um, we have some, I think they're azaleas, uh, that, that line a fence next to our house. And boy, are they happy this time of year. They are just, man, they are growing everywhere. And, Normally I'd probably just let them be, but the problem is that there's a lot of spiders that are being attracted to this and I've now walked into probably 30 spider webs <laughs> just walking and it's just nothing's worse than walking into a spider web as a human. Like I just don't know like you just look ridiculous. Um so I decided that I would I'm going to I bought a hedge trimmer. I bought an electric hedge trimmer. I've never owned a piece of lawn equipment before except for a leaf oh, blower. boy. Man, I feel like I feel like I've grown up. I feel like a true adult man. I feel like I can keep these hedges in check. Like they look really great. Like people would walk through and they go, wow, those (laughs) are really well trimmed. And I need you to know this thing was $29. Like we've gotten to the place where like I thought these, I thought an electric hedge trimmer was like 200 bucks. Like I had no clue because I've just never bought one $29. It was here the next day because of Amazon, which is just ridiculous. And I've been trimming hedges and now I'm to the point where like, <laughs> there's like one leaf that's like just starting to grow. And I'm like, Ooh, I got to put the gloves on, put the glasses <laughs> on. <laughs> and I'm just out there like, like just keeping it trim, you know, keeping it trim. Oh So my I just need you to know that this is moving the needle in my life. It It is It has brought me happiness. I don't think if you would have told me at 37, a hedge trimmer would have brought me so much joy, but it really has. And if I ever come visit, I'll bring it with in case you have anything that I need to tidy up for you.
1: Yeah. So here's the thing. So I do my own lawn care as well. Nice. Uh, but I use old school trimmers. If you Mm. can, if you would have guessed, so no electronic.
0: <laughs>
1: using the old school trimmers and but I hold on. too
0: uh, hold on. Are you yep. listening to your AirPods while you're doing this? No. Oh, so you're just straight up, you're out there with nature doing yes. the landscaping. No so you're not listening. I to have
1: anything. my gardening bucket.
0: <laughs> Stop it.
1: I swear to God. With my <laughs> gloves and I'm, my tr-
0: my trimmers and I need a photo of you and your gardening up I need oh, it. Oh, it's great. I need dude. it. I need it's it. It's great. Yeah.
1: So, um, so yeah, I'm all in on this as well. I'm all in <laughs> on the, uh, manly nature of caring for your own lawn. Yeah. Um, also someday I'll, I'll take us on a rant of why I think that's so relevant. What you said about hedge trimmers being so inexpensive and arriving the next day. I think we live in this world where people are not understanding the, uh, uh, value of the life they actually uh, live, um, oh, yeah. here in the United States of America and are kind of becoming whiny about things that, that really don't uh, matter, yeah. you know, that don't matter. Right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I don't, I don't want to get us down that, that ra- rabbit hole right now, but I am big time into, um, manicuring my own lawn. Nice. So, um, and taking care of my yard. So I've got, I've got plenty of shrubs. You know, the Bogan Villas, uh, yeah, the Rose yeah, yeah, Garden, yeah. The, the et cetera, et cetera. And I am big time into I'm learning. I will say I'm not a green thumb, I'm, I'm you know, but I'll tell you, this old house is one of my favorite shows of all time. And New Yankee Workshop, not even joking, watch them all the time. Still today, regularly, big time Norm Abrams fan. Oh, my God. I love the things. One of that- my one of my idols, Norm Abrams on uh, New Yankee w- Workshop. Um uh, and uh and they taught me how to trim hedges um properly and I've been doing it ever since my friend
0: Man wow the things we didn't know about each other you know like I know just love how this stuff comes up well <laughs> Uh it's no shock to me that you're a Luddite even when it comes to your lawn yes. maintenance and that you're not even taking advantage of all that time that you could be listening to podcasts like that's the only time I listen to podcasts really <laughs> like that's no, it. No, like I just I'm with the birds, man. I'm yeah, with the birds. Yeah, you're out there. I appreciate that and, about you.
1: And you it's no shock to me that you probably did some very thorough research on oh, yeah, what yeah. which hedge and you have the most innovative hedge trimmer imaginable.
0: And well if, here's the thing I did that research for my leaf blower and that leaf blower was a rechargeable battery leaf blower. And so oh. I knew all I need is a hedge trimmer with the same battery there configuration. Boom, ready to go.
1: Also, no surprise to me, the moment you see a leaf out of place oh yeah, yeah, yeah or yeah, a shrub yeah, yeah. out of place, you're immediately getting your gloves yep. and, and addressing it. I am not quite at that level, my friend, where yeah. I will let some overgrowth happen. Wow. Right. And, and, and then I will build up the, uh, you know, I'm going to be out there for six hours fixing this, um, mentality. And then there I go. Yeah. By the well, way, I have the big rimmed hat. <laughs> I have the big rim, I have the big rimmed straw hat. I hope um, people are still
0: listening. This pr- is, this is, me from sun. Uh, this is the best stuff. This <laughs> is the best stuff. I don't know why we record anything about business. This I is know. what we should talk about full time. Oh man. Uh, it's so good. Well,
1: you got to see my red bucket. Uh, I need, I need a photo. Bucket. No, no.
0: I need a photo of your gardening and get up, please. Yeah, At some yeah. point, like the next time someone's around to take the photo of this, I just need you to get dolled up. I need you to get out there and <laughs> I need to see what's going on. So All right. Uh, Well, I hope people found this episode fun about marketing and kind of how we think about marketing and how it applies both to the online and what I call the offline world, although I think everybody kind of lives in the online world, no matter what type of business you have. But uh, yeah, stay tuned to see what we end up doing, whether if it's uh, creating some business candy (laughs) or if it's uh, doing some more different types of production on the show, or if we don't do any of it and we just keep doing the exact same thing because that is enough for us. And that's what we decide to do until next time.